Always good to have CJ come out and join me here on the porch. Uh, took a little time to get into this this week. Uh, had some uh, some pre-snap penalties on our part. But uh, it's a bye week, so it's a good time to reflect on what we just accomplished versus the Horned Frogs. Gary Patterson's crew uh, offensively struggled at Morgantown. We know that. And uh, a lot of that was due to our defense. And then kind of look ahead um, and get ready for two big ball games to end the season. So a little Horned Frog flashback and a pre-preview on the Sooners uh, coming up there two days after Thanksgiving. We'll also get into the kind of when we think the game might be played. And uh, could be good news for those people that like to uh, watch a football game under the lights. Uh, but you guys know what to do. If it's in the morning, grab the coffee fill style. If it's in the evening, grab the drink and come on back. We're going to reflect on the TCU win and look ahead to the game versus the Sooners here on the porch. What's going on there, CJ? Hey, what's going on, boy? Oh, not much, buddy. Just, you know. Um, enjoying a uh, a little cocktail here as we get ready for some uh, action, man. But uh, I know uh, we're still kind of um, in good spirits from uh, Saturday. Still, I know you are too. Oh yeah, big time. Um, yeah, loved loved what I saw um, out of them. Um, uh, you know, offensively, I thought you know Letty looked really healthy, which was kind of a, a talking point for us going in. Um, you know, and then defensively, um, I thought the way the defense played, um, given what, you know, having kind of a mobile quarterback in TCU. Pretty dominant. Yeah, and TCU wanted to hit big plays. You know, I just, you know, I mean, it just the way they controlled that game was was pretty impressive. And, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, I mean, that's you give up two field goals. I mean, that to me is almost a shutout. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, granted, we'll, and we'll get into this a little bit more because we're going to kind of recap the game a little bit and then kind of look forward. Um, there was one – there was a crucial point in that game that I think TCU missed a big opportunity. Um, yeah. In the, third, in the third quarter when when Max Duggan um, kind of yeah. overthrew that yeah. potential touchdown pass. Yeah, completely. Uh, about 4.53 to go in the third. Yeah, Completely big had the guys, guys open, Miller, low. Um, a dying kind of feels a little breakdown in miscommunication. A guy was open. He sailed him. Um, and then at that point, they kicked the field goal, 17-6. to six, And, um, you know, that was it for them offensively pretty much. And uh, we were able to, you know, do what we did, late, you know, and, and yeah, finish off the game. Yeah, that, but that a- was a huge turning point, CJ. And I thought, had we not maybe gotten a little bit of a fortunate, be for- fortunate there, that could have been a really a big problem for us. Yeah, because that probably that does change a little bit of the momentum and the complexity of the game. Um, and and here and as I was watching that, I I, I can understand because it is it was you know you're you're playing in a zone coverage there. So I mean, as right. as, as the corner, your job's to kind of let him go, um, but nobody had him on the back end, and they got lucky. Yeah. Um, but and my thing was is and you heard the announcer say, well, you know, as a quarterback, you know, anticipate, but you know, verify. Even if, let's say, they don't blow that coverage there, there's still no chance that kid has a shot at that pass. Like, that was – Oh, it wasn't even – he, no, I mean, he sailed him by 20 yards. Yeah, you know, so. that to me was almost a throwaway, and that's one of those I – mean, I think, you know, in film session on Monday, they were kind of really talking him through, and that's what we kind of talked about, you know. He's a sophomore, you know, had some experience last year as a, as a freshman, but you could definitely see that he's still not 
real, real comfortable in the, in the throwing game. Yeah, he, he's still a little he's still a little green, um, and and will continue to get better. Um, you know, I also thought something else, CJ. We'll we'll get into this too, but Duggan for the football game had 19 yards rushing on 10 carries. I think that was a key to the game. And I think it's a key coming up this week. I think it's something that we can look into for Oklahoma because Rattler athleticism-wise reminds me a lot of Duggan. Maybe Rattler arm talent-wise a little bit better. Obviously, the skill position players around him probably better as well too. But I think there's some similarities in their game, the way they move around in the pocket and the way we kind of funnel everything up through. And Tony Fields is able to clean everything up around in, in you know in the middle of the field. I think that's a good sign for us moving forward um, for this Oklahoma game too, CJ. Yeah, it is. Um, they, they did a really good job setting the edge um, and kind of forcing him back up into where everybody's at. Um, and that'll be the key in a couple of weeks against Oklahoma in doing that to make sure. Because, like you said, Rattler's a guy, he gets on the outside. I mean, he he can make some things happen. So, yeah, you want to kind of mm-hmm. keep him funneled in and, and force him back to where everybody's at. Yeah. So, so CJ, kind of looking at this game now, you know, I'll tell him myself here, I, I was not watching this game live, had to go back and watch it on a replay, um, was watching Marshall in the, the 50th anniversary game there. So interesting and kind of, I want to kind of gauge your perspective on how you felt in the game watching, because I watched it, you know, the next evening. So I had a lot of time to digest. I knew what was going to happen. I already knew the score, you know, I kind of like watching games that way sometimes for the first time, um, but we don't do it that often. So, you know, I'll kind of want to gauge your feelings and emotions on these things as we continue to kind of break it down here a little bit. So, I mean, first drive of the game, TCU gets the football, goes 11 plays, gets into what about mid, about the mid 40 range there for us, has to punt, punts it down to the one. I mean, how, how are you feeling after that first drive defensively? They got a couple big, got a couple first downs, but yet we hold them. You probably felt pretty solid about that moving, you know, after that drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of the big plays. I mean, you know, they had a third and nine right out. I mean, you, you come out, you get them in a third and long situation right out of the gate and you give up a 17 yard pass play. It, it was one of those where I felt like maybe I think defensively, sometimes you come in and you've got so much prep work in it. Um, you're you're looking for so many things instead of just kind of read and reacting. Um, but I thought the defense did a really good job in the back half of that drive, settling down and just reacting to what they were seeing in front of them and not trying to overthink it. Um, you know, come up with a, you know, get them in another third and third and long situation there at the 35 at West Virginia. Got them off the and, and you get them off the field. Um, yep. You know, felt really good defensively about that. Now, the one thing that worried me a little bit was, is the punt goes down, gets down at the one. And I thought, oh man, here we go. This thing's going to be a yep. battle of field position for the first quarter and a half. Hey, and you know what? I would have been okay with that from our perspective. I think we've done very well playing field position games versus people this year, but it wasn't CJ because a 15 play 99 yard drive, to start the game. Um, I mean, impressive. Took seven minutes and 33 seconds off the clock. Um, and you go back and you look at that drive and you just kind of really look at it, look at it. Um, I, I, I threw a star beside the third and three pass. Deggie hit Sean Ryan a little out route right off the bat. You know, big time, big time throw by Deggie. Good route by Sean Ryan. Nice play. You get the first down. Now, granted, you know, had they went to the replay booth and looked at that, had Ford Wheaton not recovered that fumble, I think they would have gotten given them that. I think it would have been a fumble. Um, but it was good to see, you know, then we were able to come back to the well twice on the Simmons plays. We used those out routes a lot in that first drive, too. 
um, CJ to our advantage, you know, um, I was very, very happy with that. And, you know, using Simmons, you know, on the out route, using Simmons on the jet sweep, TJ got involved early. And I thought that was really, really crucial to our success. Yeah. I think he's a guy um, that you, that they want to get involved early. I think it makes it easier for him. I think he's one of those guys that, you know, kind of like in basketball, you want to get your score a couple of early quick touches, you know, successful touches. He kind of strikes me as that kind of guy. You want to get him, get him a couple of touches early, let him, let him feel pretty good like he's involved and the rest of the yeah you know you get that score you know a couple of quick easy touches getting maybe a basket or two um i think tj's kind of the same way get the ball in his hands early let him make a couple of plays and i think he feels really good in the game plan and everything else seems to come with it right absolutely and you know tj and winston Wright, i think are both alike in that regard where if you get him the ball in their hands early good things happen um you know, we, we kind of moved the ball after the two T.J. Simmons plays and the big jet sweep run to get him into get into territory of the Horn Frogs, and then we hit that little post corner route to right for about 23. We're inside the red zone at that point. Almost had the nice little swing pass to Letty for a touchdown, and then it was like, you know what? And I love this, love this about what Neil Brown's about. No, you didn't get it on first down with a run. You didn't get it on second down with a run. Third and goal comes. By God, a sneak with Daggy. You score. You're up seven nothing. I like the fact that, you know, we weren't we were not going to take our foot off it. And I, I just love the fact that, you know, you punch that in with about three minutes to go in the first quarter. You've had the ball in the entire quarter, essentially, at this point in time. Um, and you got a seven nothing lead and you're like, OK, this is a good formula and a good start for this football game today for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a um, I, I love the call there. A uh, little bit of a sneak and just let your offensive line just push through and, and let Deggy follow him. Um, the catch by Winston Wright, though, was unreal. Um, yeah. You know, kind of bobbled it a little bit, but great job to, to stay with it and come up with the with the catch. Um, but no, that was that was a heck of a of a first drive. He's got a propensity right now to bobble balls here. We need to get him catching <laughs> on the first one a little bit more often here. Looking back he, to that Texas game. Yeah, that yeah, that does a little bit, um, but it kind of yeah. kind of made up for that one this week. And oh, yeah. so, oh yeah. Uh, but no, I love that drive. Um, it's a seven and a half and minute you know, drive, like you said. You own the quarter, and it, you kind of felt like they really just kind of imposed their will. And after that drive, I kind of was like, man, there's just like you just had this feeling, like, all right, there, there's no way TCU's gonna gonna stop them. And and you know what though, CJ, it's interesting you say that because. The way they imposed the will, using the out route combos, using the jet sweep runs a little bit, you ran the football well. The signature play of this season, in my opinion, is the swing passes out the Letty. We seem to be able to use those with great frequency and with great success. Um, and you score, and you're like, okay, you know. And then, really, the only blemish that you could say, uh, you know, in, in the first half ends up coming next when we stop them. They call the penalty on that roughing the punter penalty, which I thought was a little curious, honestly, when you go back and you look at it a little bit. Um, guys grazed by him. Um, there was like four dudes back there, and they kept talking about the new long snapper for TCU. You know, this is going to be interesting. And um, ends up they end up calling it, and, you know, they got a nice little play off of that. They end up, you know, getting in the field goal range, kicking the field goal. But what I love about it, though, and it's been the same thing all year, and I, and I want to get into this here later on, our defensive success in the red zone is phenomenal. Um, and to stop them there like we did, I thought was great. And then you look at it, we get the ball, you know, we get the ball on that next possession and we go and score kind of a great play design um, on that throw there to Simmons where you fake the screen to Sean Ryan. 
throw it over the top. Um, Simmons comes down with a little underthrown. I think that's one thing we've all been kind of wondering about with Daggy at times is, is he kind of has a, um, you know, kind of has sometimes some issues. And maybe that ball's just hanging up in the air. I think people have mentioned that or kind of what that is um, with him. But, I mean, still, you got the touchdown. You're at 14-3. You had a, a nice little six-play drive. You're up, you know, with 11 minutes, 11 and a half minutes to go in the um, in the second quarter. You've got a nice 11-point lead. And it felt like, all right, now, defense go to work. We got you a little bit something to work with. Yeah, I mean that, and that, and that's a tough one there too on that on those fake screens because that's either in that situation you're almost trying to throw it as like a back shoulder deal. Yeah, didn't didn't quite lead him as much as you would have liked to in that situation there. But great play um, by Simmons. But you know? yeah, you got to give TJ a ton of credit for for winning that, going up, getting it, securing it, and um, and I think that's yeah. where getting him involved early kind of helps. It gets him mm-hmm. mentally Confidence, mentally man. running. Yeah, and you know, CJ, I think it's interesting you bring that up because. To me, that is that is the the number one thing that I take away from Saturday's game. Not only did we play well defensively too, but man, TJ Simmons, if you can get that guy to play like that on a consistent basis, that that only accentuates Bryce, Bryce Ford Wheaton. It only allows Winston Wright to be a little more explosive because Simmons is kind of that guy with Winston Wright who can really bust big plays, and it just opens up everything else. It was nice to see TJ Simmons – um, kind of have one of those games that I think people expected him to have maybe a long time ago too, you know. And he's had good moments as a Mountaineer, but I think Saturday by far was his best game in the old Golden Blue. Yeah, because, I mean, you've seen his ability to make big plays. I mean, you only have to go back, you know, to, you know, two years ago against Tennessee on the on the crosser he took for like 60 yards to the house. So, I mean, he's... He always knew that it was there. The capability was there. The consistency's well, yeah, never I mean, always been there. Yeah, and I'm I mean, even talking in-game consistency. Sometimes he just disappears. And, you know, they always call him for the, the infamous uh, blocking out of bounds penalty oh. that we seem to be one of the only teams in America that gets caught on us here <laughs> against Oklahoma. Poor, poor TJ. But, well, yeah. yeah, and mm. and, and, and that's the thing because they got it again this week with that excessive blocking thing. And, oh, we got called for that again? Yeah, we did. And, and TCU got really chippy at times, and I felt like the officiating crew – didn't want to call a ton of penalties on that, and I feel like they kind of let it go a little bit. Far they more they than I did, would they did, and I, I I'm not a fan of that as a former official. I'm not a fan of that because that to me, you're just setting up to get out of hand in a hurry. I'm I'm not a huge fan of the offsetting penalties either. You know, pick one guy and go with it. But right. um, yeah, I, I felt like they might have let that get a little chippy for a little right. too long. A little too long. I'd agree, especially late in the game. Um, yeah, get, espe- yeah, especially late yeah. in the game because you're going to end up with a kid who's frustrated. Third, third and fourth quarters, especially once we kind of took the lead out, especially once we took it out 24 to 6 there in the fourth quarter. Um, it got real, real chippy at that point in time. Yeah. I did want to did want to hit on real quickly though, CJ, about the second second quarter because you know after you get up fourteen three, this is the area of the game where I kind of think we've got to do a little bit better and, and be a little bit more productive if we're going to get a win versus an Oklahoma and an Iowa State. We cannot have that law of a quarter where we don't really do much of anything. And really, if you go back and you look at the second quarter. A lot of penalties, um, you know, and they weren't – I don't say lots of penalties, but just a couple ones that kind of held you back a little bit. And then, you know, you got a couple good a couple good, um, good chunk runs and different things to kind of continue to win the field position war there against TCU and get TCU a lot of credit defensively. They, they, You know, they're pretty tough, pretty tough and stout group there, especially in the back end there in the secondary. Um, 
it just it just felt like second quarter we just didn't really have much of a flow offensively. But then I think you know you kind of uh, kind of made up for that a little bit with that really good drive to start the third quarter to push yourself back up to seventeen to three. Um, yeah, know. and I, and I think especially like that the the last punt there for us in that quarter, you know, the nine play drive where on third and one, Letty kind of gets stuffed right there at the line. I think that's one of those in that situation. I think maybe a different opponent, say like an Oklahoma, I don't think Neil takes the penalty there to punt it. I think he goes for it on fourth down there, understanding kind of in an Oklahoma game, you're going to kind of almost have to match them at times. Um, But I think in understanding, hey, this is TCU offensively. They don't scare us. Our defense has – You're up 14 to three. Why why get the ball midfield? Yeah. 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 Our D, yeah. I'm going to rely on you know, my. See, I'm going to disagree with to, you to on shut that. this down. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that take, though. I think it's even more imperative in a game like Oklahoma if you're shutting them down that way um, to punt the ball before the end of the half. It's funny, though, too, because listen to the announcing crew, uh, Mark Helfridge and, uh, and Davis there did a pretty did a pretty good job. But I thought it was funny how they said, oh, well, you know, and then they it's like if you haven't watched this, you realize Neil Brown loves to bleed that clock and loves to take that timeout. Mm-hmm you know, toward the end of the half to punt the football. And, and, and you knew he was going to do it once he did that. Um, and, you, yeah. you know, you're you're 100% fine with it. Now, now, CJ, you know, so we go into half. We're up 14 to three. You know, you feel like things are going pretty well for us. Um, and then great drive to start the third quarter. You know, you take 709 off the clock. Um, you go up 17 to three. You know, there wasn't anything extremely impressive, impressive, but it was almost like every play was efficient and did something to move that forward and that cause there for us um, to get that opening three points to start the uh, third quarter. Yeah. And I think you'd much like, would have liked to punch that in, but got into, oh, yeah. you know, got on, got to TCU's 10, had some penalties and that, that really kind of changed how you were going to play call yeah. uh, the yeah. red zone there. Um, you know, and you mentioned very reminiscent to me, very reminiscent to me, CJ of the Kansas state opening drive to start the second half. You know, you have a, you have a 14 to 11 point lead, you know, Slight difference in terms of the lead there in K State versus uh, TCU Saturday, but you get the ball first and you go down, you take time off the clock and you get points, regardless of whether that's a three or a seven. When you have the lead and you t- bleed off that much time and then you add points to it, huge for the momentum. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was, and it, um, you know, that's a that's a big drive. You know, Casey like gets a big field goal there, um, you know, and really kind of think at that point you kind of really the the sense had to feel like you know maybe that was they had kind of pushed that maybe out of TCU's reach. And I, I'll, say, I'll say this, CJ, I never, um, maybe when you watch a game. You feel that way about a 14-point lead, but I've been watching the Mountaineers too long, even with this great defense, to feel totally confident with that. Yeah, um, I, no, I, no, no, was, I, I can understand you on that one. It's just in, yeah. in watching that game and and kind of the, the feel that game had to it, it yeah. TCU felt very – I don't want to say – Inept offensively. Oh, yeah, and I don't want to say really overmatched. And I, I thought Urban Meyer at, at half made a really good point, you know, that – if you looked at this game, you know, on paper, TCU should be the better team just because of where they are. I mean, you got the pick of the crop recruiting wise, but you know, I disagree with that. It's, it's a matter of how you coach him up and and what you have And that's what he said. You know, West Virginia is out coaching TCU. Neil Brown out coaching coaching Gary Patterson. And you could, don't get me wrong. I like urban and they respect his take there. And I, and, but we still recruit on a very good level with TCU. We, so I think that's a little bit 
a we, little bit of a well, kind no, of no, slamming we, us in terms of what we are type of thing. I don't necessarily well, agree with he that was, from Urban. He, he, he has done a decent job recruiting. And Neil got some decent players. And, and Neil here, has, obviously. but I think his point – And Neil's he, done a good job with transfers too. Uh, yeah, but I think his point was more to if you look at where they are, right? The Fort Worth-Dallas area just – spits kids out where well, in West Virginia it's a little more well, difficult. DJ, it, we're going to deal with that the remainder of our life. And if that's the oh, only take over Meyer can tell me about that game, then I'm, I'm sorry. Now, I loved, I loved his under the hood thing that he talked about, about not making excuses and figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. I, I saw that. No, and, and Urban's a, and I mean, Urban's, he's a heck of an analyst. But on, on that take there about the, the different metro areas, I mean, that's we, we deal with that all the time. So for him to say, well, TCU should be farther along because of where they recruit from, I disagree with well, that. Urban, but and also because TCU is not the 15th winningest program in the country. Right. I think you also have to look at it too. And Urban's a big Neil Brown fan. I mean, he is. Um, he's been on the record as saying that. Is I think too, if you if you look at it, you know, Gary Patterson's been there what 15, 16 years. Neil's only in his second year. Like the the recruiting classes should be much different than they are. Some of that's how TC recruits, and I and I get all that, but I think, but I think what he was really getting to was is is, and I don't think you probably really ever expected to hear it, but Gary Patterson was getting fully out coached on in in every phase of this, yeah, which I think he really he really was, which I think would yeah, and I think that really shocks you, especially if you've been around college football as long as you and I have, and and Urban has. It, I think it's been a long time since you could really definitively say. Patterson got out coached in every. I'd also level. say this, CJ, real quick too. We have more talent than TCU does as well. I think Patterson. This is a much longer rebuild here than I think people have been willing to admit since they lost Boykin and Kenny Hill. This is this is it's more of a where they're coming from type of thing. They just don't have those players that they've had, and everyone still kind of wants to put TCU on that level because of Patterson being who he is. I think um, that's that's my opinion on it. Um, no, that and that's some of it, and I think you got to really wonder down there, and it and it's and it's probably different for TCU because I think they, I think their boosters have a very good understanding of who they are in that area. Well, you got to realize, but too, you got to USA slash Mountain West, and within the last twenty years, they realize they are still building into this, and for them to be on the Big Twelve level, they are ecstatic about it. I mean, yeah, Marshall and you TCU just you, used you, to be on the same type of, you know, level in terms of a conference. You know, in terms of I remember back in two thousand one, they were supposed to play each other before 9-11 canceled the games. And TCU, you know, was, was a Conference USA powerhouse, and Marshall was a MAC powerhouse. And that just tells you how, how much things have changed in Fort Worth. And that's partially due to what Patterson has built there in the last 20 years. And I think the, and I think the question is going to become, and unfortunately is going to start to become, is, is Patterson the guy to do it? Well, I think – I mean, that's an interesting take. I mean, I think Patterson's on that level now there is kind of like a Bill Snyder's at Kansas State. He can afford a couple a couple years that are a little longer oh, than oh, others no, no. and still I, make I'm it and just saying, be just fine. I, no, I'm, no, I'm not firing up the firegarypatterson.com right. website. But no, this, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I do believe he's earned the right yeah. to see this thing yeah. through. Um, Three years now in a row, but, though, of them kind of being more of a middling, struggling team is not TCU-like for sure. Um, and no, they're still I, kind of living it, off those laurels, I think, personally. Yeah, I think so too. And I think for them, it's it, they're going to, I think, as, as a team, what you're going to have to see for them is Duggan's going to have to take that step as a quarterback to where he's a guy you trust to win a game, not put him in a position to not lose him. Yeah. 
And so, and that's going to be the difference. Yeah, well, and, you know, and they've got time for that, and they'll have time for him for three years. But let's get back to the game there real quick. And talking about Duggan, next thing I really wrote down was that drive, like we talked about at the top there, 453 to play, misses that wide-open touchdown, 17-6, to six, not 17-10. to 10. You know, that's a huge difference in the game. I, I'm not going to say that's the, the, sole, the sole kind of the ender and the closer and, and everything like that, but, I mean – that kind of uh, – that's tough when you have a team that was running the ball the way West Virginia was. I mean, quietly Letty Brown, you know, has a damn near career day type of day, and you don't even really realize it. He did a great job scraping, getting to the outside, busting some big runs. Um, but, CJ, the next thing that I thought was really kind of important, fourth quarter, 13-02, TCU taking the timeout, right, to then punt the football – at, and there's an injury on the field. They take a timeout because of after the injury, they're essentially icing themselves, it almost feels like. And then, boom, the muff punt that they have at that point in time um, was, I think, in the end, the game changer of the football game was this, was the kind of the final nail in the coffin. They muffed the kick. You know, we get a four-yard little sweep to T.J. Simmons. And then, boom, the next play, we go over the top of T.J., and uh, you play the fight song 24 to 6 at that point in time. Yeah, the, the muff pump, I think, really, I think that it, it, that's the moment. I think it sucked literally all the wind out of the sails for TCU. Because um, you come off a drive where you you, you should have had seven, not three. Um, you, you get that muff pump, which, you know, is, is kind of funky because TCU is usually kind of like K-State. They don't really give you a whole yeah. lot in special teams. They don't, they don't turn the ball over there. Yeah. Um, but I thought it's a great job, you know, for West Virginia to 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 turn around and and get not just a field goal out of that, but actually put it in the end zone. And that's, I think, been the one thing. Sometimes we've gotten turnovers and we haven't made anything out of them. Yeah, um, we stalled to, out to punch right that in there, in there. Or, yeah, having to kick threes. Yeah, that that that's a big momentum switch. Um, I think defensively for TCU that that hurts because you fought to get off the field there and your special team turns around and it's a quick change. And yeah. sometimes defenses can can very, very struggle with that. And I think especially when you've had a day where they were just getting pounded on, that came at like the worst time for, for TCU. Yeah, it really it really did um, when, you, when you fully think about it in, in the flow of the game. And especially, too, because we kind of took it – we kind of took the, you know, the momentum right then and there after the muff, Mahone with the recovery, and then – you throw the touchdown pass. And, you know, I kind of, when I'm watching the game, CJ, not knowing, remembering that we got it this, the last touchdown on the fourth and knowing it was a pass, but I'm like, you know, how long did it take us to kind of, did we, you know, get a couple first downs and was it, you know, more of a 30-yarder, not not longer than that. And then, boom, you take the shot right there on the second play. And it was like, you know what, like to see that a little bit here and there out of our team. I was really pleased, you know, at that point in time to see that. And then defensively, come we come right back out there. Mahone makes one of the best plays of the football game on that diving uh, pass breakup. And our, our our secondary has been phenomenal all year, and they were great again on Saturday. And yeah, then, you know it's you know it's amazing when you talk about that defense, and and rightfully so with the Steels brothers. Um, you know Tony Fields has earned all the press he gets, but guys like Tyke Smith, who we'll get to here in a couple of drives, yep. and, and Sean Mahone, like. Those are the those are two guys that you don't talk about, but are probably putting or probably having the best seasons on that side of the ball. Oh, and well, not I mean, and, and, <laughs> you know, what's funny is the next guy I was going to mention, which is 
we get one of our first sacks of the game there when Mesidor comes down, gets the sack, you know, with about 11 minutes to go on a third and nine. They have to punt it. You're up 24 to six. And then, CJ, we go on a nice little drive where we get the ball and take off about five minutes worth the clock um, with a couple letty runs and, uh, you know, kind of just moving, moving the sticks a little bit on them. And then we end up going for it and missing a field goal on a kind of was a weird situation, I thought, there with um with Casey Legg uh running out with about fifteen seconds to go. We didn't I, it was kinda like we almost thought we were gonna go for it and then we thought no, and then we thought, well, we're not gonna take the timeout. And it was it felt a little rushed for him. Granted, at that point in time, you're up eighteen. It's been you've dominated the game. I don't think you're any any real you're not really putting a lot of stress on it. Maybe you're trying to work on something for later in that spot, but it was yeah, just interesting I, I to see that. I, I was, yeah, it was a little I think funky. That's, I think that's something they've practiced on that quick switch. Like if you have to run them out there quick, like, you know, time running down, don't have any timeouts type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you practice it in a live game. Um, yeah. Casey did feel a little rushed, left it just outside. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think that happens, but I think that's one of those, okay, we did it in game. Now he's got an opportunity to have run it live and it's a little different yeah. than in practice. So um, probably something you'll have to see. Um, you know, hopefully you don't you don't have to do later, but if you've done it now, he's had that in-game experience with it. Maybe maybe he knows how to handle it a little bit better. You know, the 40-yarder is a long one. Um, but know, but so. he's also made it before. The only thing that was unfortunate in my opinion about that is it broke his streak on the season of uh, – of being perfect, you're, you're crossing Christian warrior there, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that hurt a little bit, but no, I, and I, and you, like I said, I kind of understand that it's one of those things I think where you got an opportunity, Hey, we're up 18 in a game. We're dominating them offensively. They don't have anything. Let's, let's see if we can, you know, practice this, you know, let's get an in-game practice situation here and just unfortunate he missed it. Yeah, he did. You know, Hey, you're not going to make them all giggity, you know? So, yeah, uh, you're not Mike Nugent. You're not gonna make them all. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It happens, you know. So at that point in time, CJ, you know, we get the ball back, and I was also impressed with. And the only the only thing I didn't necessarily love about our team one Saturday, at least in my opinion, um, at times I felt like you know we could have taken out a little bit more. And I think some people felt like we left plays on the field, but at the same time, that was what that's kind of how we're going to win games, right? We're going to be a team that I think, and that's what Neil said in the post game. That was what he wants West Virginia football to look like, right? He wants to be that, and we'll get to this in a minute because I'm going to ask you a question pertaining to Oklahoma and game time spots. But he wants to be that team that gets on the field at noon in the Big 12 window, bludgeons you to death, comes away, and beats a 27 to 10 every week. That's what he wants to be. And by God, I think everybody would be fine with it too. And then um, obviously, you know, the great punt stings them down there to the one. Uh, and then they end up having their nice little drive and Tyke makes the pick. Like you said, great play by him to uh, fully solidify that it was over. Yeah, at one point I thought he was going to take it back to the house. Um, yeah, Duggan did just enough. So, I mean, CJ, you know, good thing for you. That uh, Tyke got the pick, and probably another good thing for you if you had an in-game over that uh, you know he didn't, or an in-game under that he didn't take it all the way back to the, his house uh, to the crib, um, and that Duggan did corral him and kind of turn him around just enough, and we were able to kind of take knees from there. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I learned my lesson with the K-State game. I'm not touching over-unders with this stupid team anymore. <laughs> because you, cause here's the problem. You're trying to take overs, which everyone likes to do. Don't get me wrong. It's more fun. It's college football. This team, you can win with unders. I did I it with Baylor. I, I did I took, it. I did it. I've done it a bunch of times this year with this team. I, um, I, yeah, I took the under in the K State game, and that that. Although, made... hey, man, Oklahoma, I will not be on an in game un- over under. I can promise you that <laughs> one way or the other. I don't care. It's Oklahoma, and that's just a, now a new rule that we don't touch Oklahoma. Um, so, I mean, hey, we're we're onto that now. I mean, this is this is where this team's at. We're five and three. We are, you know. Right mathematically alive for the Big 12 title. Yeah, but you know what? And that's something they've been talking about is, man, we're not at championship level yet. And that's okay not to be at championship level yet because you got to get there. You know, there's so many young guys on this team that it, it's going to take – it still takes a little bit of time, even with some of the great defensive performers and performances we've had. we got to remember where we were last year. And to already be 5-3 and three this year is remarkable. Uh, CJ, I, I'm going to toot my own horn here real quick. Had a futures bet before the season started, over under four and a half wins, and I hammered a hammer and over for the Mounties. So that uh, that felt good. Yeah, that fifth no, one I, felt real good, and it's kind of a sign of where we are. This climb is on the trajectory it needs to be, CJ, without question, heading into this Oklahoma game. But it's a big opportunity. This is yeah. a big opportunity, not to just prove that you're not maybe you know you maybe you, st- you could still potentially win the Big Twelve this year, whatever, blah. Not not about that. It's about showing where this program is coming and still could potentially get to in the next couple years. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I you know, I mean, I, you know, we all saw the piece put out there, you know, how they're mathematically still need a lot of help. It, it's kind of like in baseball. When you're mathematically still in it, you're you're out. Let's, let's just be real. <laughs> um, it depends. Know. But yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, cause you, yeah, I mean, because they need so much help at this point. But no, I, I'm with you. And this isn't like, you know, West Virginia, when Neil came in, it wasn't like, you know, you know, a Texas or an Oklahoma or an Alabama where you're like a recruiting class or two away. Um, he was coming in to build a culture, build a program and build a roster. Um, so to be at five and three at this point um, in year, you know, zero asterisks, it, 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 you, you have to feel really good about where this team is, the fight this team has shown, um, the belief and love, not only they have for each other, but the coaching staff. Um, no, I think you got to be as a Mountaineer fan, very, very, very happy with where this program is at right now. Oh, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think now heading into this game with Oklahoma, it's interesting, you know, we, we've kind of been joking about how the Neil Brown era has not had a night game, CJ. And if you look forward, you know, there's a, obviously a bit, two very important games to be played in terms of how the games will kind of look when we play these two opponents with K-State playing Iowa State and the Bedlam game between the Sooners and uh, the Pokes down there and uh, – and Norman, you know, wish from Stillwater's got to go there. Uh, I mean, that those two games are going to really shape the narrative of our game coming in. But and you also have the postponement of Texas Kansas this week, so I don't know how they're going to maybe try and slide that back in the schedule one way or the other. Um, but that game that weekend could be the first night game in the program in in the Neil Brown era, and I think it's interesting when you look at the rest of that schedule that week. Uh, it's it sets up that it could very easily be that way because K State Baylor that's not getting any primetime uh, love, nor is it probably Texas Tech Oklahoma State and Kansas and TCU and Kansas is already slated for eight o'clock on FS1. Um, I could see this being it because Iowa State Kansas or excuse me Iowa State Texas 
is on Black Friday. So that's been removed from the Saturday equation for the TV execs. This could be a night game. As I say, it, it, it's Oklahoma to West Virginia. I, I think they've, that's all they've played is night games in Morgantown since the Big 12, when, since we joined the league. I'd have to go back. That's and, interesting. I'd have that's to go back and check that. But I know there was the, the Kenny Stills catch. That was a night game in Morgantown. Yes. You know, obviously yes. the, the one in 2018, you know, Will Greer, Kyler Murray, that was a night game. Yes, yes um, it was. That was actually Black Friday too, I believe. Yes, um, it was. So I, I think all of the Morgan, I think any, I think all the Oklahoma games in Morgantown have been night games. I'll have to double check that, but I want to feel like that's kind of been the trend. Well, I know. Wow, you know what? That's uh, I mean, I can remember some very memorable night. I mean, the 2016 team, uh, or the you know or the team going into the, the 2016 team, you know, had the snow game with Oklahoma at night. The Will Greer game was at night. The year two, the game two years before that was at night. Um, so that only leaves 2012 out there, right? And uh, that was definitely a night game because that's when Tavon went off. So, yeah, absolutely. All those have been night games. So maybe we are going to have one. Although I would be fine if we played at noon because I love the Nooners, man. The Nooners to me is, is the way to go. I kind of love it for our program. I, I Like Ohio State Michigan, when you grew up, you knew they were going to play at noon on ABC and kick somebody's ass. So if West Virginia started to be playing at noon on Fox or, you know, FS1 and kick somebody's ass every week at noon, I'd be cool with it. Hey, I would. I, hey I'm okay with it. We, you know, we talked about it in the preview. Um, that was our seventh straight home noon game. We're five and two. I'm okay with it. Yeah. yeah. But it looks like, uh, I mean, there's a – just kind of reading the tea leaves, I guess, a little bit. Uh, real good chance if Oklahoma is still playing for the championship in the conference, which – you know, they kind of have to win out, I believe, CJ, to be safe. Because if they get that third loss, they're just in there with like they, like with a, like we are, you know, with West Virginia. Um, amazing to me, Kansas State's still in that mix, but they are. I mean, this Iowa State team's kind of looking like they're the team to beat right now at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Big 12 is kind of wide open. We had kind of talked about that, too, in the summer. John's clones, and... man. Uncle John's clones are taking it, man. Yeah. Gotta love it. Well, Good that, for them. That was the one thing we had kind of talked about coming in, you know, when we did the preview of the league when the scheduling came out and everything, that this was – this the, the league felt pretty wide open. Like, you could make a case for, you know, four or five teams um, to be there in the hunt at the end, um, and that's kind of held true. You know, there's no real dominant team. You know, Oklahoma was breaking in some new guys. You know, Texas is, you know, with Tom Herman's going to, you know, probably drop a game or two that they shouldn't. You know, Iowa State, you know, you know still CJ, still learning how to be that that dominant, you know, program. You yeah. know. So, I mean, I, I think that it, it's kind of played true to that form. I'm going to tell you this. It's just interesting when you kind of look at it, right? That Texas game, if we found a way to get that one, this thing is so different right now. Um, we would almost be in a driver's seat type position yeah. had we been able to get that game, which is just kind of in summer that that's that that that's where this team could have been this year. But it's but it's totally true. Um, you know, look looking at it now in terms of the rest of the league. If I'm just kind of handicapping here, I mean, K State. Iowa State this week's huge because if Iowa State gets that, that knocks Kansas State out of the picture at that point. They're back there with us with three losses, and they they're going to lose that tiebreaker. Um, if they get that one, then then they've got games with Texas and us. 
but I like our chances going to going to Ames and playing it playing them competitively and maybe winning that game. So if we could beat Oklahoma, maybe we move into that range. And if Texas were to beat them, I mean, lots got to happen. Like we said, pipe dream of pipe dreams. But I like the fact that we're kind of a player in this final uh, little bit of the proceedings here. Yeah, no, it's it's a big step forward for the program and an understanding that hey, you know, we're you know we're building a program that's here to to compete. We're not trying to be 500 in the league. We're trying to win championships. So, um, yeah, that, that's a, like I said, that's a good thing to feel about and to see and, you know, still kind of be, be in the mix and in the conversation at this point in the years, what you want, you know, when you break camp, that's what you talk about. You know, you get into those final two games and you still be in the mix, right? That's the conversation. So. And we've um, done it, we've done it a few times. I mean, we did it a few times in the Dana era, but it's good to, it's good for now. And Neil Brown's, you know, year zero asterisk that we're kind of at least, uh, we're above 500 in the league, which is better than we were last year. And we, I think we all expected this. I think most people that know what West Virginia football is all about expected this team to be better this year. You really did. And then once you saw the defense, you knew, you know, that you still have a chance. I mean, it's, it's, it's muddied. It's muddied up uh, without doubt. Um, I just wonder how, you know, if you beat Oklahoma, they get moved back with you. Texas, you know, it's then I own a tiebreaker. I just think we lose a lot of the tiebreakers, CJ, if I'm not mistaken, even, even yeah, if we keep the three losses. Yeah, I mean, there's – yeah, there's a, there's a lot that has to happen for that to happen. But I think, you know, if, you, if you're a Mountaineer fan, you're looking at this and going, okay, let's just – you know, you're, you're looking at it one week at a time. You know, finally, let's go get Oklahoma. Um, yep. Get a win against them. We haven't beaten them since we joined the conference because um, our win over them in the Fiesta Bowl, we were still in the Big East. Um, so, I think – I think then that's that's the big one. I think a lot of fans want to see because that's kind of the measuring stick, you know. Is we've been so close, can we finally get over that hump? Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. If you look at the FPI rankings, West Virginia is a higher FPI ranked team than Oklahoma. Um, their defense is coming around though, CJ, and I think that's. I think in the end, in that matchup versus them, it's going to be can we run the football. If we can run the football, we can win the game. Because I think we'll play good enough defense versus their offense. I mean, I look at what they've done of late. The overtime game with Texas, great, but they didn't put up 53 in regulation. You know, that thing went to four overtimes. Um, yeah, this is points on yeah, Iowa this... State, but it's, it's, not, it's not incredible. I mean, the last two weeks, yeah, it's Texas Tech and Kansas. I think we're better defensively than both of those teams. And being in Morgantown – with a group of seniors that are, you know, and a couple guys that are probably playing their last game in a Mountaineer uniform and Stills and Fields, um, Darius, you know, Stills and Tony Fields. I mean, that's a lot of motivation and to maybe go undefeated at home on, in this crazy COVID pandemic season to go 6-0 and at Mountaineer Field. I think that'd be something those guys would be shooting for. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, and you like you said you know there's some guys that you're not really sure their futures and what makes it interesting is is obviously this year it doesn't count against their eligibility so any of those guys could be back um you know for for Dante if he's if he grades out as a first second round draft pick which he probably will you're talking Darius there Darius would be the one to grade out Dante should be back more than likely Dante more than likely will be back Darius Darius we're probably going to see him playing on Sundays next year which you know, I mean, unless something unless something crazy comes back in his eval, which I mean, heck, he's high on Mel Kuyper's board now. So I mean, that tells you what the scouts really think of him. So I, I'd be very shocked to see him come back. Yeah, absolutely. So he's playing his last game in a Mountain uniform. We haven't beat them at home in you know ages. 
I just think that sets up for a really fun little opportunity for us um, to go in there and, and win a football game. I really do, CJ. Um, and, and I think it'll be one of those type of games where um, if we if we kind of are able to establish what we've been establishing this season, being at home, I think it, it gives us a really a really good opportunity to um, to win that game versus Oklahoma because while they've been better defensively, there's still, you know, there's there's reasonable there's reason to think you can run the football on them. Um, and I think you're going to have to to win that game. The only games we've really not ran the football well in was the game against Texas when Letty got hurt. We did a decent job against Oklahoma State running the ball. Wasn't as good as we've done in other games, but we did a decent job there. And it wasn't like we didn't run the ball against Texas Tech. So that's kind of something that we – have kind of had our DNA with this season is the ability to run the football. And I think we're going to be able to do that again on against Oklahoma here in, in two weeks. Yeah, no, that, that, that's obviously going to be the key is running the ball. Um, that's been our key all year, you know, controlling, controlling the time of possession um, and imposing our will offensively as well as defensively. That that's going to be the hallmark of this program under Neil Brown. Um, and it's it's kind of cool to see again because it's a little bit of kind of cool. back to basics. Kind of um, back to basics, Don, Dandy Don Nealon football. Yeah, and, that, and that's what he really talked about in his his opening press conference. You know, was was getting back to West Virginia football, and um, you know that's being hard nosed, and that's you know imposing our will and and basically outworking everybody. And that's and you've seen that, and yep. that's it's really kind of it's kind of. It's kind of fun to see. As much as fun as watching, you know, Dana throw it all over the place and put up a bunch of points. Um, you know, that was cool. You know, but even under Rich, um, where they it's could not put run up the points, you know, it was about rock. yeah, it was about running the ball. It was about imposing your will. It was about bringing your lunch pail to work and, and, and getting down to it. Strap on yeah. them things a little tighter there. Yep, hold your yeah, rope. So it's yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely gotten back to to what this program has known and enjoyed success under, which, you know, it's, is running the ball and, and just being physical. Yep. And I, and I, and I love it that that's kind of where we are at. And if you do that in the last two games, you have opportunities to win. Um, I would love a split there, CJ. I really would. I think if you win one of those next two, you'd be really happy. I think even you got to be happy about this year, regardless. Yeah. I, I think, I think a split's probably the best that comes out of that. Um, you know, to win both of those, I think I'm not calling it a pipe dream, but it would be nice. Um, but I mean, those are two very good quality opponents that you got coming. Yeah. Up, so I'll, t- I'll tell you this, CJ, I think if you beat, if you're able to beat Oklahoma at home, the momentum might carry you over. It carried, it carries you over sometimes that next week, knowing it's the final game of the year, but it also could do the opposite effect. And like, man, we beat Oklahoma. We got, you know, that's one that we've been wanting for a while. And do you have that same effort versus Iowa State? I think you would because of what happened last year. And I think to a certain extent, that was a much closer game than what that final was last year in Ames – or excuse me, in, in Morgantown when we played them when Allison had to come in. And this team's a lot different. I think that some of these guys would really like to kind of show Iowa State that this is not the team that you've uh, – not the team that dominated uh, last time to Ames when Will Greer is still trying to find somebody to throw the football to. Yeah, I, I think there's some guys that are left over on that that kind of really want to get that taste out of their mouth and 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 kind of show, hey, we're we're not 
that's not us anymore. This is who we are. So, no, I, I love the way this team mentally is set up to, to finish out this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it very good opportunity. Very, very good opportunity to, to find two dubs. If you get the Oklahoma game, you can get the Iowa State game. Um, and if you lose, if you lose the game versus, you know, Oklahoma, then you still have the kind of that motivation factor to to get it done versus Iowa State this year because of what happened last year. Um, CJ, man, we'll uh, we'll reconvene here. You know, maybe get back into the uh, the picks the picks there for the week. But man, it's it'll be nice to kind of watch some football. I know people joked around and said, "Hey, man, Marshall's got a buy. WV's got a buy. Let's go play it on the field." I would love to see that personally, though. I would too, but I'm, I, um, it's as not, a Mountaineer it's not fan, happening. Look, it's not happening. Well, well, as a Mountaineer fan, I mean, they've played five weeks in a row now. Those, those oh. guys need a break. Oh, no, so. absolutely. I mean, it's it just kind of it was a solid, solid joke. Um, saw some people on, on Twitter kind of throwing that out in the ether. Um, would be would be kind of would, would be a fun matchup to watch in a bowl game. Um, and I think that's the last thing that you know, kind of worth talking about here, real quick, is man, bowl should be there at five and three. Uh, even if you finish five and five, the way the season set up, I think the bowl was a possibility. Obviously, I saw him saying that we could play Penn State in a bowl game on a projection. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, yeah, because they removed all those stipulations for yeah. that, so that's going to come down to who yeah. travels. This, this team's going um, to right the bowl now looks, without that doubt at this point in time, I'd imagine. Yeah, and right now it kind of looks like the Liberty Bowl, um, just because of their ties with the Big Twelve and everything. So. Um, which that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a bad little landing spot for this team. Um, any any bowl game is good because um, it gives you a couple extra weeks of prep and all yeah. that. So um, no, it, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Liberty Bowl. If, if I had to bet on it right now, is probably the destination for them. Um, Liberty Bowl yeah. loves teams that travel, yeah. um, depending on you know kind of what's what they've got set up at that point. Um, the, the year zero, the year zero asterisk to make it to a bowl game is mighty fine. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting wherever we go. And the fact that there's still possibility of a really strong finish to the season could even help those bowl prospects. You know, if you finish seven and three, and who knows what kind of bowl game you might be able to sneak yourself into at seven and three, uh, could be some more lucrative, warmer spots for the Mountaineers. Uh, to travel into December slash January time frame. But till next time, you guys take it easy. Come on back and join us on the porch for more college football and uh, Mountaineer discussion. Till next time, y'all take it easy.